happy this morning. Certainly good to see some new faces here as well. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to do something a little different this morning. We had, does everybody have a handout this morning? All right. We had a handout that we gave out. Is anybody in need of a hand? Do we have handouts in the back still? Well, we're going to figure it out. Well, hopefully we have some more. I don't usually, I don't usually do handouts for like the main service, usually do a Sunday school, but we're going to do something a little different this morning. All right, we have a couple handout, uh, handouts here. And what I mean by handouts is an outline, all right? <laughs> if you're in need of a handout, please. A handout of the outline, that is, amen. If you would, please. I appreciate that. Thank you, guys. All right, this morning I'm going to do something a little different than usual. If you have a Bible, would you turn to John chapter number 16, please? Uh, yeah, nope, John chapter 3, not 16. Now, you've put it together, you know where I'm going. John chapter number 3. Thank you, brother, appreciate that. John chapter number 3 this morning. It seems that three years ago, around this same time period, I taught this lesson here. And then last year, around this same time period, I taught this lesson here. So this is the third year in a row that we're going to go through this lesson. Now, each time uh, I work on it, uh, it gets developed a little bit differently and so on. And so um, I, I want you to have a copy of the outline because I'm going to give you the answers. And... Um, Obviously, I'm not going to be able to preach on all of this because there's just too much. But I want to give you the answers uh, to the questions on the paper. And there's a reason for that. I don't know how long I've been preaching a message like this. I I'm going to think maybe 10 years or more. And, uh, and as I preach through this message many, many times, after a while I started to think, I'd like to develop a gospel track based on this lesson. And some of you may remember me preaching that last year. I talked about wanting to develop a gospel track based on this lesson here. And, uh, and so I'm happy to tell you that I did. I have a gospel track based on the lesson that we're going to do today. And uh, in fact, this one here has the First Baptist Church of Easton, the address, the phone number, the um, uh, what is it, the email and everything else, and it's got a picture of your church building on there. And so what we have is we've got about 500 of these my wife and I purchased for your church, and uh, there's some in the back. I believe Brother Brian opened up some and put them in back. And so uh, I'd like to encourage you, if you'd like to take some with you, uh, they're simple gospel tracts that help people understand how to be saved, amen, and uh, some other things which I want to talk about. Now, one of the reasons I want to develop my own, by the way, you can develop your own gospel track, believe it or not, for $75. <laughs> and by the way, I'm not trying to sell anything neither. Um, I, I was talking to my wife, and my wife and I were talking about it for years. And she started to mess around on the you know, computer because I have no idea. I, I think I could turn it on and off. It's about it. Um, but she was working on something here and there. And then my, her father's cousin, John Rutilli, I don't know if anybody ever heard of John Rutilli. 
He was a man who got saved out of Catholicism and he wrote a gospel track, him and his wife, religious but lost, and they give their story. Well, you guys had it in the back. So my wife, it's her, her relative, she grabbed it and she brought it home. And we were talking about me developing this gospel track. And so I picked up his gospel track and said, let me look at his track that he got. You know, he got one. I want one too. Now, but anyway, so I'm looking through it and I and just notice on the back, printmytrack.com. I'm like, okay, hold on a minute. Print my track. Okay, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google that. And so I Googled it, and it's a, a business called Moments with the Book. I think it's somewhere uh, in uh, Pennsylvania. And so, you know, for 75 hours, they'll work with you. You send them what you have. They develop whatever. They send it back. You have like three opportunities for them to finally say, well, that's another 25 if you want to do it. But anyway, I was able to get it done. Uh, so I developed a gospel track. And the reason I wanted to develop this was because I want to be comfortable with what I'm using. Uh, some tracks I'm just not comfortable with. Uh, so I developed something I wanted to be comfortable with, uh, but I, I shared it. A couple of preachers asked me if I, if I could come there. So I went to their churches and I kind of shared the same outline and they had a couple hundred tracks and afterwards just kind of encouraged people, hey, uh, you know, please take some if you, you know, so on. My mother's 82 years old, as lives in a senior home. She took every one of them. She had my older brother take one to every door in the house. And so, you know, um, if, if she can do something like that, I can do something. Amen. Uh, so anyway, I want to take you through this gospel track. And if you like it and you'd like to use it uh, up in your community here, please feel free to take some. Um, it would be a good thing. Um, the, the title or the topic, as you see on the top of your page, is Man's Greatest Needs and God's Greatest Gifts. And um, in fact, I really wanted to say man's two greatest needs, God's two greatest gifts. But nonetheless, uh, we went with this. Um, so I want to give you the two gifts that are, I believe, the greatest gifts that God gave to man, but that every man needs. And so let's just take a moment and ask the Lord's blessing. I'm going to delve right into this. Father, thank you for the word today. Thank you for your spirit. Lord, if there's anybody in this gathering that doesn't understand salvation, I pray through this lesson, they'll understand how to be saved. Those of us that may understand salvation and uh, already have salvation, I pray that if there's anybody in need of understanding the need for church, that they'll gain from this a blessing and a benefit. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to see the need of others and to be able to try to do what we can to reach that need. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, number one on our top of our page, the first thing we want to write down is Christ is God's gift to everybody. Christ is God's gift to everybody. Now that's about plain and simple, but look at John 3.16, which is the verse that really emphasizes that. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. By the word, the world includes everybody. In fact, another text, preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. Now there sadly are people who don't believe that God loves everybody, but I do. Amen. And I believe that God loves everybody and Jesus died for everybody. Look at verse number 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is a simple truth that everybody needs to know. Amen. And so the first point in this track is the fact that Christ is God's gift to everybody. Number one, or A, if you will, uh, here's what's in the track, which I'm going to give you. Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved. Plain and simple. 
Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved. Acts chapter 4, verse number 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Listen, this is a simple truth, but not everybody likes to hear that. Amen? Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved. Uh, Matthew one twenty one. the angel told G uh, Joseph that Mary was going to have a son and that he was to name that child Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus is the New Testament word for the Old Testament name Joshua, which means Savior. In fact, if you think about Joshua in the Old Testament, before we even get to Joshua, we're talking about Moses. You remember Moses? Moses was used by God to deliver the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt and he was to bring them to the promised land but Moses could not bring the children of Israel to the promised land. You remember that. He lost his opportunity to go into the promised land himself at that time. But I want to say this, that Moses couldn't take the children of Israel into the promised land. The promised land is a picture of salvation and Moses could not save those people. Moses represents what? The law. The law cannot save. There are people think that they can obey the law and keep the law and that's what's going to save them. The law is not there to tell you how to be saved. The law is there to tell you that you need to be saved because nobody can keep the law perfectly. Moses is an example or a picture of the law and the law can bring you to the brink of salvation. It can show you your need of salvation. It can point you to the right person that can save you, but it cannot save you. Joshua comes on the scene and Joshua Jesus is the one to lead them into the promised land you understand and so Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved now when I say being saved I'm talking about being delivered delivered from three things number one delivered from sin's penalty when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, He saves you from sin's penalty. You'll never go to hell. You'll never go to the lake of fire because Jesus already paid your penalty for you. But not only does He save us from sin's penalty, as we go through this life as believers, He gives us the power to be saved from sin's power. Now, we still sin, uh, but we fall into it. We don't wallow in it if we're saved. Amen? But Jesus Christ gives us the power to overcome living in sin. Amen. But thank God one day he's going to save us from the presence of sin. Amen. We're going to see him. We're going to be like him. We're going to have glorified bodies. No more temptation. No more sin. I'm talking triple deliverance right there. Amen. Only Jesus can save. And so simple. Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved. Let me give you the next thought. Jesus Christ is the only way to be forgiven. Jesus Christ is the only way to be forgiven. I want to stop right here. There's a reason why I say what I say in this one. Some of you, if you have an understanding of the word of God, would say to me, brother man, saved and forgiven are the same thing. I know they are. They don't know that. I'm trying to help the unsaved person every which way I can to help them to understand what does it mean to be saved. What it means is to be forgiven. And Jesus Christ is the only way that we can be forgiven. John chapter number 1, verse number 29, John the Baptist said of Jesus, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. 
In the Old Testament, the, the sacrificial lambs would only cover the sins of the nation of Israel. Once a year, the day of atonement, Yom Kippur, the day of covering, this lamb, Jesus, didn't come to cover the sins of, of Israel. In fact, he came to take away the sins of all humanity. Amen? He's the Lamb of God who died for us. Amen? In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, Know ye not, you're not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation, but we are redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb, of Jesus Christ, as of a Lamb, without spot and without blemish. Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary as the sinless, harmless, holy Son of God that we might be forgiven. Amen? First John, I want you to turn to First John for a moment, if you would, please. Chapter number three. First John, chapter number three. Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved. Jesus Christ is the only way to be forgiven. First John, chapter number three. I want you to see this, if you would. First John, chapter three. And I want you to look with me. By the way, these are verses that are in this gospel track for this particular reason. 1 John chapter 3, look at verse number 5. And by the way, this is good thought for what we call the Christmas holiday. 1 John chapter 3, verse number 5, and you know. And thank God for the things we know. <laughs> Amen. And you know that he, referring to Jesus, was manifested. By the way, there's a whole reason he came. The whole reason Jesus came. To take away our sins. And in him is no sin. This is a truth the unsaved world needs to understand. Jesus Christ came to take away our sins. In Him is no sin. By the way, in Him is no sin because if there was, He couldn't take away my sin. If He had to die for His own sin, He could never take away my sin. But I like what 1 Peter chapter number 3, verse number 18 talks about. He died for us, the just for the unjust that He might bring us to God. Now, some of these verses ain't in the gospel track. I kept it a little simple. I'm throwing some extra in here for us. But listen, 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 29. He hath made him to be sin for us. God made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin. Jesus knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen? The whole reason Jesus came and died on the cross that was he might pay for our sins. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4, the core of the gospel message is this. Christ died for our sins. Think about that. You know, the sad thing is people think that they can earn, they can pay for their sins. There are people who believe they can be religious enough in this life to pay for their sins. And those same people also believe if they weren't religious enough to pay for their sins in this life, they'll take care of that in, in purgatory. And then they'll be able to go on to heaven so they believe. But the Bible says nothing about purgatory. And the Bible says nothing about paying for your own sins here and now. Amen? The whole reason Jesus paid for our sins on the cross is because we could never pay for them. On our own, no doubt about it. Amen. Christ Jesus died for us according to scriptures. He was buried on the third day. He rose again. And I like the statement, according to the scriptures. And by the way, this is where we get our blessed assurance right here. According to, it's not according to our religion. It's not according to our denomination. It's not according to our congregation. It's according to our doctrine, the Bible. Amen. Jesus died that we might be saved, that we might be for 
given. Isaiah chapter 53, verse number 6. All we like sheep, the Bible says, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53 is talking about that sacrificial lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of the Jewish people believe Isaiah 53 is talking about the nation. Yet the Ethiopian didn't think that in Acts chapter 8. He knew it was a person. In fact, he asked Philip, is this talking about himself or some other man? He knew it was an individual. Isaiah 53 is about Jesus being our sacrificial substitute and what the Bible says, all our sin God took and laid on Jesus, that sacrificial lamb, and he paid for all of our sin. Amen? I'm so glad, amen, that he died to take care of all of our sin. On one of the last statements on the cross, Jesus said, John 19, 30, when Jesus bowed his head and gave up the ghost right before that, he said, it is finished. And we know what that means. He paid in full 100% our sin. Now, if you enjoy that blessed assurance, maybe we ought to try to help others to enjoy that as well. Amen. Uh, by the way, let me just pause for a moment and say this. I do not make a penny on any of this. This is not money-making business at all on these gospel tracts, just so you know. It's sad we even have to make that announcement nowadays, but... Here's what 1 John 2, 2 says about Jesus. He is the propitiation. That's a big word. Don't let it scare you. It means satisfying payment. And he is the propitiation, the satisfying payment. John said for our sins, but not only our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Amen. Let me give you the third thought. See, Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved. Jesus Christ is the only way to be forgiven. Now, the next thought is this. Oh, by the way, before I get to the next thought, let me say this. We all need to be forgiven because we are all sinners headed for death and judgment. I wrote this out the way that I wrote it out in the gospel tract. Try to avoid this when you're speaking to somebody. You need to be forgiven. You're going to die and you're going to go... I think people shut down when you try to get on them like that. Do you know we all need to be forgiven? Now, I know I'm already forgiven, but the fact is we as human beings, we all need to be forgiven. And here's why, because we are all sinners. And we're all headed for death. And by the way, nobody can deny that. We're all headed for death. I haven't seen anybody beat it yet but Jesus, amen? And then we know there's judgment. And here's the verses that are in the gospel tract to explain this. Romans 3.10, there is none righteous. No, not one. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. And, and then here's the fact that we're all headed for death. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. And then here's the thought of judgment. We're all headed for judgment. Hebrews 9.27, is it appointed unto man once to die? And after this... The judgment. So I, I take the three simple verses to explain, hey, this is what it says. We're sinners. Hey, we're headed for death because of sin. And you can go back to Genesis 3 and talk about where it started from. You can go to Romans 5 and talk about how it passed from Adam to us in the human race. But we're all headed for the judgment. Now, I want to say this. I'm saved and I'm not headed for the judgment in reference to the great white throne judgment. I'm saved, but I'm headed for a different judgment. I'm, it's called the judgment seat of Christ. There's a big difference between the great white throne judgment and the judgment throne of Christ, or the judgment seat of Christ. I, I won't do it this morning for the sake of time, but 
Revelation 20 verses 11 to 15 talks about the fact that one day unsaved people will all stand before God. And if your name's not written in the book of life, which we also know in Revelation 21, 27 is referred to as the Lamb's book of life, then you'll be cast in the lake of fire forever. Hey, rejoice if you're saved in the fact that your name is written in heaven. Amen? That's what Jesus told the disciples when they went out there and they saw they had power over the devils and such. He said, hey, be more happy your names are written in heaven. I'm glad my name is written in heaven. It's written in heaven because it's in the Lamb's book of life. Let me tell you how my name got in the Lamb's book, the Lamb's blood. It's the blood of the Lamb that saved my soul, wrote my name down in that. Amen? By the Lamb's blood, I'm in the Lamb's book. By the Lamb's blood, I'm a part of the Lamb's bride. Amen? Thank God for that. By the way, that's not on the track. That's just a little extra for you. Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved. Jesus Christ is the only way to be forgiven. And then here's the next thought I want you to get. See, Jesus Christ is the only way to get to heaven. Again, you and I understand this all means the same thing. Being saved, forgiven, going to heaven, we understand it means the same thing. I'm just trying to help somebody that is oblivious what it all means. If you get saved, you get forgiven, and you get guaranteed heaven. Amen? According to the Scriptures, by the way. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Wow, that narrows things down to the point that ecumenical people don't like that. Everybody wants to, no, you're, everything should be all-inclusive. It can be if you want it to be out there, but it ain't all-inclusive according to this right here. Amen? Here's what Jesus said in, in, in John chapter number 10, verse number 9, I am the door. He didn't say, I am a door. I'm one way to God. No, 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 no. I am the door. He said, by me, if any man enter, he shall be saved. Amen? So I'm just trying to help people understand. He's What am I doing? I'm saying Jesus is it. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have salvation. You don't have forgiveness. You don't have a guaranteed place in heaven. Amen. And so we're just trying to help people understand their need for Jesus. I want you to turn with me, if you would, please, to 1 Timothy chapter number 2. 1 Timothy chapter number 2. Please. 1 Timothy chapter number 2. First Timothy chapter number two. The funny thing is when I when my wife and I first started working on this gospel track and we sent it to the company, they took the title and everything, and they sent it back to me, and it was green and red and it had a Christmas box with a bow on it. I thought, well, that's good. It's, it's, it's a good thought that, you know, but my point was, I don't want to limit this track to Christmas time. You know what I mean? And so I had them change the colors and everything, but they were on. I mean, when you're talking about gifts, how can you not talk about Christmas? But I want you to see this. Listen, Jesus Christ is the only way to get to heaven. First John, I'm sorry, first Timothy chapter two. Look with me if you wouldn't. Just the beginning of verse number one. I exhort therefore the first of all supplications, prayers, intercession, giving thanks be made for all men. Uh, Paul encouraging uh, uh, Timothy in reference to the church to make sure they're praying for, for everybody, uh, for kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. Pray for leadership for our sake. Amen. 
3, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. You know, God's gift of Jesus Christ is to everybody. <clears throat> Pardon me. God wants everybody to be saved. Now notice what it says, if you would please, afterwards, <clears throat> who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. And by the way, that's how you get saved. You get saved by coming to the knowledge of the You don't get saved by praying. You don't get saved by doing this, that, or the other. Now, <clears throat> prayer may be what happens once you understand. But I've heard people trying to instruct people about winning people to Christ and said, you know, go through this thing, have a word of prayer, and then afterwards tell them what they did. If you have to tell somebody what they did, they didn't do it. The knowledge of the truth <clears throat> is what saves the soul. If you believe in your heart, you're saved. <clears throat> what knowledge has to be understood in order to be saved? Here's the knowledge. Look at verse number five. Here's the truth that has to be understood. For there's one God and one mediator <clears throat> between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. <clears throat> what has to be understood is there's one God and there's only one person that can connect you to him, and that's Jesus Christ. We don't get connected to God through our religion. We don't get connected to God through a man on earth. That's why you're not to call a man father, spiritually speaking, on earth. We don't get connected to God through an organization or anything, through Jesus Christ alone. Why is that? Look at verse number six. This needs to be understood. He's the one who gave himself a ransom. What does that mean? He paid my sin debt for all. Amen? This one mediator that comes between me and God is the one who gave his life for me that I might get to God. Amen? Think about this. Matthew chapter 27, verses 51, or 50 and 51. On the cross when Jesus died, as soon as he died, the temple, the veil in the temple was ripped from the top down to the bottom. That temple closed everybody out from getting to God. Only the priest could go to God once a year, day of atonement. And that wasn't for a long time. He was in and out. Jesus, when he died on the cross, his death opened the way to God for everybody. It was ripped from the top to the bottom to show it was an act of God. Had it been ripped from the bottom to the top, that would have been an act of man. God opened the way for everybody to get to God. And the way is through Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen? In fact, the commentary on Matthew 27, 50, and 51 is found in, in uh, uh, Hebrews. Don't turn there. I, I wrote it down. Hebrews 10, listen to verse 19 and 20. Hebrews 10, 19, and 20. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say, his flesh. He was opened up that we by his blood may have access into the Father. Amen? Hallelujah. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Amen? 
I'm just saying, by the way, all of this is not in the track. You understand? I'm throwing some thoughts in there. I tried to keep it simple so it simply under, can be conveyed. But if our hearts were filled with these other thoughts, we'd probably be more helpful, right, to others. God wants all men to be saved. We know that. Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise of His coming, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. We know He wants all men to be saved. In fact, in Acts 17.30, commands all men everywhere to repent. Let me give you this statement under here. The salvation that God provides through His Son, Jesus Christ, is a gift. And you want to fill that in, is a gift which can only be received by grace alone and through faith alone. Romans 6.23, we read the first part. It says that uh, the wages of sin is death. But then it says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God. We get it by grace, which means for free, and by faith, which means simply trusting that grace. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, as you well know, and these are in the, in the, in the track because they're very simple. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. That knocks out everybody. Not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. I mean, think about those statements in those verses. Not of you, not of works. That knocks out your religion, my religion, if you will. It's not about what we do. It's about what he did. Amen. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Mercy. What is that? God not giving us what we rightfully deserve. Do you know God is pleased with them that hope in his mercy? It's what it says in the book of Psalms. God is pleased with those that hope in his mercy. Hey, that's the only hope we have to be saved is the mercy of God. Amen. Those that don't hope in his mercy, hope in what they do. By the way, you want a picture of somebody hoping in, their, hoping in his mercy? The, the, the Pharisee and the publican went to the temple to pray. The Pharisee stood in the front and he stood and he prayed thus with himself. Father, I thank you that I'm so good. I fast, I do this, and then I'm not so bad, especially like that public. And the publican in the back of the temple wouldn't even lift up his head, but smote upon his breast this outward symbol of, of an inward humble repentance and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, hey, guess which one of them went home justified? The man who knew what he was and depended on the mercy of God. Don't depend on your works. They ain't doing nothing. Depend on the mercy of God. God is pleased with that. Amen? Gift, grace, both of these words simply mean, listen, this is hard to believe, free. I have a hard time believing something's free nowadays. Do you? Yeah, especially when there's always strings attached. Be careful with that. Buy this one for $19.99. And if you buy now, if you buy within the next 24 hours, we're going to throw in another one. Just pay shipping and handling. And look at the fine print. The shipping and handling is like the price of the other one. 
But you're saying, hey, I got this one for free. Oh, really? I'm gonna, you see, you, they, they probably paid $2 to make that item. You paid 20 Then you paid $10 for the shipping of it. You didn't make nothing. You didn't get nothing for free. Hey, you think it's for free. That's why you feel good. You think you got over on somebody. Let me tell you something. When it comes to God and the things of God, if he says it's free, it's free. No strings attached. Amen? In fact, I mean, he goes, he goes out of his way in Romans to explain, if it's of works, it's not of grace. If it's grace, it's not of works. He's basically saying, it's for free. Amen? What must I do? Acts chapter 16, don't turn there, verses uh, 30, 31. The Philippian jailer said to Paul and Silas, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The simple answer was believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And by the way, your house can do the same thing too. Let me give you the second point. And I only got a few, few points on this, a few thoughts on this. I'm not going to go as far. Here's the second point in this gospel track. Now the first point was Christ is God's gift to everybody. The second point is this. Church is God's gift to every believer. Church is God's gift to every believer. Folks, I don't know about you, I, I've been dealing with gospel tracts for a long time. I'm sure many of you have been dealing for a long time. Many times we'll take several tracts with you in case you need to, you know, something else. But most people just take a gospel tract that talks about salvation and somebody might be saved already and you might say, hey, maybe you could pass it on to somebody. But I'm going to tell you something. We're living in a day and an age where there's a lot of unchurched believers. There's a lot of unchurched believers. I'm telling you. And I find when I'm going to a door with a gospel track, or it not having to be a door, you could be sitting with someone, talking to them, oh, I'm already saved, and you already handed this on. My wife recently, a couple of Dunkin' Donuts, you know, she was handing something out, and this young lady said, I'm already saved. I just need to go to church. And in fact, I think she gave her, you know, an address to a church that was local where they were at. But some people are saved, and they're saved by the grace of God, really saved, but they're unchurched. And listen, I believe we're in the business now, not only of reaching those who need Christ, but we're trying to reach those who need church. And so this gospel track, the second part of it, is, is, is the fact that, hey, church is a gift from God, and it's for every believer. First and foremost, Christ, no doubt about it, because your eternal destiny depends on that. But how you live as a Christian in this life, your nutrition and your strength and your health and all of that, is spiritually speaking, depends on the church you go to. Amen? And so the second part of this is, hey, church is a God's gift to every believer. Unsa or, or saved people need to understand God gave them the church. They are a part of the church, but God gave them the church as we know it in reference to the assembling together. I want you to turn with me for a moment, if you would, to the book of Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. If you're not saved, I just went through the gospel message just a few moments ago. Everything I told you was how to be saved according to the scriptures. But now I just want to speak a little bit on the thought of the fact that God gave the church as a gift. His gift. In fact, technically it's Jesus' gift to his bride, to his people. Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse number 8, if you would, please. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led, he led captivity captive, 
and gave gifts unto men. Skip down to verse number 11. And he gave some apostles. And by the way, I believe the gifts that he gave were the gifted men to the church. In verse 11, he's going to name offices that refer to the local church. They were his gift to the church. And he gave some apostles and some prophets. That's New Testament prophets. Some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. For what reason? Look at verse number 12. For the perfecting of the saints. That's the maturity of the believers and for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, I want to say this. There are people that go off on this five-fold ministry, and that's what they're all about. And they talk about apostles and, and prophets, and they talk about them being now. And by the way, apostles and prophets are not for now. They're already over. In fact, the apostles and prophets, New Testament prophets and apostles, were used for the founding of the church. And look at chapter number 2 of Ephesians and look at verse number 20. I just want to prove that to you. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse number 20. And are built, talking about the church, are built upon the foundation of the apostles and what? Prophets. Jesus Christ himself being chief cornerstone. He didn't go on to say evangelist, pastor, and teacher, right? No. See, the prophets and the apostles were used for the founding of the church. But since John, the last prophet, is gone, there are, I'm sorry, apostle, there are no apostles and no New Testament prophets. We don't need New Testament prophets. We have the word of God. Amen? We have to, by the way, the apostles and prophets were for the founding of the church. And I think that the, the evangelist pastors and teachers could be used for the furthering of the church, for our growth. Amen? Now, I say that, let me give you some thoughts. A, here's why, and by the way, people need to understand the church is God's gift. Jesus' gift to them. A, here's why every church or every believer needs church. Through the church, God provides his people with spiritual leadership. Spiritual leadership. You want to put that in there, spiritual leadership. In Acts chapter 20, verse number 28, Paul said to the Ephesian elders, he said, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. God gave the spiritual leadership of the local church for the spiritual benefit of God's people. Amen? There are other scriptures that I'm not going to get into uh, that you could look into if you'd like to, but 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1-4 to talks about the same thing Peter said to the elders to make sure they feed the flock of God. By the way, to feed the flock is this, to shepherd the people. All Listen, let me. here's a statement you want to fill in. All of God's sheep need a shepherd. If you are a child of God, you are one of his sheep. He is the great shepherd, but he has provided under shepherds, the pastor and the leadership for your care and protection. Take heed unto yourself, he said, and to all the flock. Watch over all the flock. Why? And Paul's going to go on in, the, or in Acts chapter 20 to talk about wolves that are going to try to come in and, and damage the flock. God gave the spiritual leadership to be the shepherd of his sheep within the flock. Amen? I can't do it for the sake of time, but 
when sheep get away and get astray, they're not cared for the way they ought to be. Let me give you a second thought. Through the church, God provides His people with biblical discipleship. Biblical discipleship. In Matthew chapter number 28, 18 to 20, which we have in the gospel track, Jesus said, uh, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, and I believe that's to do with salvation. Then baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And then teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. The whole purpose of the local church is for the shepherd to care and love and protect for the sheep, but also to develop the sheep by teaching them the word of God. Amen? And that's why I thank God for preachers that study the Word of God, that share the Word of God, because that's what we sheep ought to be feeding and feasting on. Let me tell you what some churches have done. They closed the green pastures and they put it away and they brought out the entertainment. Listen, sheep don't need the entertainment. Sheep need the green pastures and the still water. Sheep need edification, not entertainment. In fact, it was said that the church is not here to entertain the goats. It's here to edify the sheep. Amen? Through the local church, God provides spiritual leadership. Through the local church, God provides biblical discipleship. You may not have all the time in the world to get into that book and the preacher gets into the Word of God and studies the Word of God and God gives him what to give to us and we get fed and we grow and so on. Amen? Listen, these are just some biblical thoughts, and I'm sure you could add to it, of why we need the local church. Unchurched believers need to understand God gave the leadership for their benefit and for their growth. See, you want to jot this down. By the way, here's a good reason why we need biblical discipleship. Hosea 4.6 My people are destroyed. Because of a lack of knowledge. How many of God's sheep are, not, are hurting because they don't know the truth of the Word of God? Amen? See, you want to jot this down. Listen, through the church, God provides His people with mutual fellowship. Would you turn with me to the book of Hebrews? And we're getting ready to close down. I'm almost done. Look at Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter number 10. I need to be ready to convince saved people why they need church. They might, well, I'll just sit at my kitchen table on Sunday. My house is my church and blah, blah, blah. No, it's not. Amen? God gave leadership for a reason. And God gave us each other for a reason as well. Through the church... God provides His people with mutual fellowship. Mutual fellowship. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verse 24 and 25. And let us consider... What's the next words? Two words. One another. To provoke unto love and good works. By the way, we're not here to provoke each other to anger. Can I get a witness? We ought to provoke one another, encourage one another to love and good works. Now look at verse number 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting, what's the next word? One another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let me tell you what's in these two verses. More than anything, 
one another. Those people that weren't coming to church, that were missing it, they were not getting the exhortation and the encouragement from the brothers and sisters in Christ that they need. Listen, the world doesn't love us. I don't know if you've noticed that yet. By the way, if you're trying to live for God, you're not fitting in out there. If you're trying to live for God, you're not fitting in out there. So what does that mean? I need encouragement from somewhere. I need to know there are people that are standing where I stand and going through what I'm going through as I'm trying to live for God. Amen. That's why you come and you gather with people of like faith and practice. Amen. We're not loved by the world. We're not encouraged by the world. We're not respected by the world, but we ought to love and encourage and respect one another. Amen. Folks, I wrote this. You, you want to put this in here, the first bullet point, or bullet, whatever it's called, point. All of God's children need one another. All of God's children need one another. We need each other. We do. We do. Going at it alone is not going to happen. Amen. Hey, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 9 to 12, 2 are better than one. When you're working, when you're walking, when you're warming, when you're warring, two are better than one. Hey, you may be here and saying, well, you know what? I'm a pretty super duper dynamite Christian. I don't necessarily need others. If that's the case, let me talk to you for a moment privately. Everybody else shut up, close your eyes, whatever. There are people around here that need you then. If you're that kind, they need you. Be here for them. You understand I'm being facetious about that. But there are some that think no. And by the way, it takes humility to be served as much as it is to serve. You don't walk in here like I got it all together and there's nothing you can do for me. Let me tell you something. Be careful because you entertain angels unaware. Angels is just a messenger. doesn't have to be some spiritual. It could be you. God, may you. God will use the least just to humble us. We need each other. We don't need the big wig. We need each other. And, not, and, and don't be one of these, well, they need me. No, we need each other. You have no idea. God made it that way. God put the body together in such a way that we need each other. I don't know about you, but I don't want to lose a finger. Now, you may have. I don't know. That. But I'm saying to you, I can't say, well, my finger's nothing. They just cut it off. No, I ain't cutting it off. <laughs> it may not be nothing. You, you'll realize how it was something when you lose it. Can I get a witness? We need each other. Let me give you the last statement. God has provided the church for the spiritual growth and well-being of all his people. God don't save us and then abort us. He saves us and then he wants to put us in his nursery where he's got his workers to put a bottle in our mouth when we first get saved and to feed us the milk of the word till we grow. And then when we get old enough, that, that individual is mature enough to understand now they need a little bit of meat. Just like a parent know to give their child a certain when they're at a certain age, but then they start to get more hungry and they know to give them a little more of this, a little more of that, amen? By the way, don't try to jam steak down a baby's mouth, please. Amen? I close with this. Everybody needs Christ because we can't be saved, forgiven, or get to heaven without Him. Amen? 
And every believer needs church because we all need spiritual leadership. We all need biblical discipleship. And we all need mutual fellowship. We all need one another. Would you bow with me for prayer? Father in heaven, as we close up the services this morning, the sermon may be over, but I'm so glad your spirit will still work on our hearts even as we leave this place. If you're here this morning and you say, Preacher, I'll be honest with you. You're, talk, you're talking about how to be saved, sharing how to be saved through this gospel track. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I'm, I'm not really sure that I'm saved. Preacher, that's me. I'm really not sure that I'm saved. Would you pray for me? Here's my hand. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure that I'm saved. Would you just pray for me? My praying for you is not going to save you, but I'll definitely pray for you that God will work on your heart. Anybody at all? Maybe you're here this morning and say, Preacher, I am saved, but I'm not into the church like I should be. And today's lesson really helped me understand a little bit more perfectly why I need church. Pray for me that I'll be more faithful to church, that I might gain the blessing and benefit that God has for me as a Christian. Here's my hand. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? Amen. I see that hand. I see that hand as well. Amen. Praise the Lord. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Preacher, thanks for sharing the message. I'm saved and uh, got some understanding about the church, but pray for me. I need to reach out to others. Maybe help others to get saved. Maybe help others to, to, to get churched as well. Pray for me that God will use my life to make a difference in the lives of others. Anybody at all? Here's my hand. Amen. My hand's up as well. Father, as our brother comes to close up the service, as you will, I pray for your leading and for your guiding and for your directing. And we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.